I'm back. I've been gone for a little while. Um, thank you for everybody sticking with the podcast, even though I've been out for a month. Um, and I've been off. I was out uh, writing my first book, got the first draft done. and uh, But I couldn't have done it if I wasn't able to leave on it in fully capable hands. And one of those sets of wood carving, furniture building, capable hands is uh, our chief marketing officer and one of my good friends, a guy I've known for many, many years now, um, Mike Spadier. Welcome, man. What's up, boss? Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Appreciate that. So yeah, as I was saying, you know, I've never been able to do this because, well, before on it, I had a bunch of other clients and people I was working for, and so I couldn't take this amount of time off. And then after, since I started on it, there's no way I could leave and comfortably feel like everything was going to be okay, like completely just bounce. I mean, I had a separate email and a separate phone, and I could kind of like peek my head over the wall and see what was going on. But every time I peeked, everything was fucking going great. Mission accomplished. And that is an awesome, awesome feeling to have. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, really from kind of, let's talk about that a little bit first, and then we'll get into the writing. Um, you know, the ultimate dream of a, of an entrepreneur and someone who's starting something is that you can create something with enough momentum that you don't have to be there for the momentum to continue. And I think now, like, what on it is has permeated through all the chiefs down all the way through the entire operation. I think that's fucking pretty, pretty rad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you're saying as a, as an entrepreneur, that's the goal, right? So you have this fully capable team of assassins that can handle thing, things while you're away. But even, you know, the way that it works, like with any structure is like the tip of the, of the iceberg, you know, you mm -hmm. dictate policy and it kind of goes down from there. So as kind of a macro example, you're saying you want to put these systems in place so you can go away and then they, they, they work. And really that's kind of a, on a micro scale, that's what I'm doing as well. Yeah. You know, with my team, I've, tried my best to assemble a team of assassins that I can do the same thing to, yep. to where I can say, here's the broad strokes, go forth, go do your thing, you know? And luckily we have a team of people that mature enough and professional enough to handle that, um, to where I can focus on my one or two things that I really need to focus on, give them the broad strokes. And then just everyone comes together and kicks ass. Yeah. So that's what you're seeing. Totally. And I, I think it's because, all of us, you know, we, we lead by inspiration too, you know? So the fact that I'm gone doesn't make anyone who, you know, directly reports to me and I work with on a day-to-day -day basis work less because they're like, Oh, Aubrey's gone. Now I can slack off. Cause probably I'm not, the opposite. probably the opposite, right? Cause yeah. I'm not watching your guys and busting your balls about time and keeping, you know, that's not the way it works. I'm just mm -hmm. expecting you guys to be fucking fired up and cause I'm fired up. And then so when I leave, it doesn't mean you're no longer fired up. You know, you're right. still just as fired up, if not more fired up. Because you're like, all right, you know, like, let's really kick some ass. So he has this confidence that, you know, he can do what he needs to do when he's gone. And then you instill that in your team so that if you have to go, your team still stays motivated. And I think that's one of the errors that a lot of, you know, managers and leaders and, and bosses have is they lead by oversight and by fear. And so as soon as they're gone and that fear is lifted, it's like fucking party time, you right. know, like, cause nobody, you know, it's like that, that overbearing presence is gone and that just leading in that way just ensures that you're going to be stuck 
Yeah, it's, I mean, unfortunately, some situations, some workplaces, like there's no way around it. You know, you have, you have a team of people that need to be very, very closely managed. I'm super stoked that we don't have that situation. Right, yeah. I've worked in that situation. It sucks. Do you think that that, do you think it's, you know, that ev- like just certain industries and certain companies, do. like you have to have that. It's just the way it is. And there's people that thrive on that. I've worked, I've worked for managers that their job is to manage. They literally don't do anything <laughs> except call meetings and tell you what you did right and tell you what you did wrong uh-huh. and then ask you to go do some reports and bring them back and have another meeting. And their day is booked solid with meetings. That's their job. Sucks. Nobody wants <laughs> to do that. Nobody wants to be micromanaged. To right. But having, you know, the complete opposite experience here, like, sorry, anyone out there that has to deal <laughs> with that, but we have, we have it pretty sweet. I, I wonder if there's not a way in, in any situation, though, that you could create at least something close to that. I mean, something where no matter what it was, I guess if, if your actual business operation is something that's kind of doesn't sit right with you anyways, mm-hmm. you know, like you're kind of, maybe some kind of call center of some sort. But then but then you would just have to financially motivate the fuck out of people, you know, to but get that's them to also, do it. But then you're also creating another bad motivation source. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like the reason that this works so well is because everyone has a pure intention. It's true. Everyone just wants to do the best that they can because they believe in the product. Right. If you're, no offense out there, but if you're working at McDonald's, if you're a manager at McDonald's, you know, you're, you're lining someone else's pockets really all mm-hmm. the way down. And then you've got this quality of employee at some level who's just there for, you know, a couple bucks trying to get out of their yeah. shifts whenever they can. It's just not an environment where that works. But then, you know, I think about some of like the teachers that I had in terrible mm-hmm. classes, right? Like if you get a good teacher in a mm-hmm. terrible class, all of a sudden that class can be interesting and Absolutely. that class can be good. So I think there is, you know, there's some elbow room there. Cause if you have, if you're a manager at McDonald's and your employees love you mm-hmm. and it's just, you create a good environment. If you come in a little down, they are like meet you with positivity and they're like, come on, you know, then maybe, maybe you could get closer to that at least. Agreed. I have a good friend who was manager at Taco Bell <laughs> Yeah, nice. <laughs> and he was awesome and his people loved him. No, I, I'm not saying it's not possible. Obviously, you yeah. can create that in whatever your situation is. You know, if you're scrubbing toilets for a living, you can still love what you're doing and inspire people around you. Yeah, you know, it's not it's not necessarily impossible. It's just much more difficult. Yeah, you know, for sure. Well, this work. is this is easy because we've created this movement right. that everybody here is really a part of. I mean, everybody's going to the gym. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, like almost everybody. We have like maybe five or six, uh, maybe 10% of our employees that don't. Maybe two or three people left. Yeah. yeah, that aren't in there in the academy or getting smoothies or the blended coffees or, you know, really taking part of this. Mm-hmm. and With no pressure. Yeah, it's not like yeah. it's like an incentive program, you know, like like a lot of companies have to have some kind of, you know, well, if you go do this fitness thing, we'll pay you extra or some mm-hmm. shit like that. Mm-hmm. We just make it available and people people want to feel good. You know, it's an easier, easier situation. But um, yeah, it's like this, it's that perpetual motion machine that I was, you know, talking about. Like this movement, you know, now, it, now that it's in play, it will keep going. You know, no matter if I have to leave to write books or I go get lost in a fucking jungle somewhere mm-hmm. i come back all wide-eyed with yeah. some crazy ideas like yeah. whatever happens i'm not trying not to do that by the way that's not <laughs> part of the plan but like whatever happens the momentum 
from what you guys, <clears throat> yourself, and everybody else here in the company has created, and even in the fans and the customers and everybody who's a part of it, it's this self-reinforcing thing. I mean, our customers are bringing it, so we got to bring it. I mean, they're fired up. If we if we like let down and just kind of half-ass it, we're not meeting our you know our end of the bargain to them too. So it's this self-reinforcing thing. It's a complete like you said it best. It's a complete like feedback loop at this point. Yeah. If like the company has become a movement and a lot of people use that term, throw it around there. Oh, this is a movement. This is a thing. Like this is a movement. Yeah. And the one thing that like I've come to terms with is this movement is bigger than anyone in the company. You know, if I were if I were gone tomorrow, that's not slowing down anything we're doing. If, you know, if you were gone tomorrow, it would stop a lot of the progress that we're headed towards and, you know, a lot of things that we've done in the past. But this thing has legs. Yep. And it's just, it's going on its own pace now. Yeah. And anytime we get wrapped up in our daily shit and, you know, the, 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 the minutia or whatever, if you start to start to get like down on a thing, you know, something, something that has to do with work, like, oh shit, I had that meeting. It didn't go well. So-and-so said whatever, dude. The new thing that I do, the best motivation you could do in life for, for feeling good about what you do for a living, search the hashtag get on it on Instagram, on Twitter, and that's the machine. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, all day, every day, no matter where you are, all over the world, you're seeing people that are just hashtagging get on it with either their workout, their diet, you know, a before and after photo some daily motivation, whatever the fuck it is. It's just, it's a thing and it's just going. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, if we were gone today, this thing is still going. No doubt. Yeah. And that's, that's a beautiful fucking thing because, you know, it's a beautiful thing in and of itself and mm -hmm. it makes it, a, a, you know, a real dream to be a part of this, but also because now I get to do stuff like write books. Yeah. You know, like I got to go to a beautiful spot in British Columbia and show up and nobody didn't know anybody there and they were taking care of all the meals and all i did was write and be alone with my thoughts and hike i hiked around in the woods and awesome. looked over bear shit and things like that and that was that was all i did for you know the first two weeks of that trip and it was pretty fucking cool man pretty cool and it's weird because you know usually like i've spent some time alone but it's always usually with somebody i'm meeting or like you travel you have some An kind agenda. of idea. there's some kind of agenda like yeah. okay this day i'm gonna do this so you have something planned or there's or there's a, a deadline looming you right. know in okay i've got two days to do this until this yeah yeah to look out at this expanse of time where it was really three weeks but i started traveling uh i went to sedona in the last week mm -hmm. in colorado and a few other little stops on the end but i had this block of just two weeks where there was nothing on the schedule mm -hmm. except write. Like that was all I had to do. It's awesome. For and that was a that that in and of itself was a crazy feeling to like actually unpack all of this other stuff that I'm constantly burning and churning and thinking about and feel guilty if I'm away from if I'm at home and I'm my computer's not on my lap. There's like this weird guilt, you know, like maybe yeah. I should be doing something. Maybe I should be checking something oh i haven't posted something to social in a while you know all this pressure i just put all that stuff away and say i have one task it's to work on this book and that's it and i'll feed myself and i'll you know exercise when i need to and you know 
manage that? Yeah, so so we were all stoked because you were able to finally have that moment of uh, clarity and, and you know silence to where you could actually focus on this because you've been talking about doing a book for a long time, mm-hmm. and it's even for me I've been stoked to see what this book even was going to be about because I know you've had a lot to say about a lot of different things and you've sure. got so many different sides to you know, your personality and it's not just CEO of on it. It's all these amazing things that you're a part of. So I think a lot of people were asking me like, what's he writing about? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> you know, we'll see. I'm sure it'll be awesome. Could, I mean, cause even for me, like when you sit down to do something and you have an intention, a lot of times you start to write something and it kind of changes into something else. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you're, if you're in tune with it, you kind of just let it guide itself. And then a lot of times I'll write like a title for something that I'm working on. And then two hours later, look back and I'm like, that's not what I'm doing. You know, yeah, start totally. over. You know? I started, I've started my first book like four times and it's yeah, been exactly. totally different. One was called like the game of life. And it was like about, <laughs> it was like video games and there was like boss battles. And right, like I, right. it was in that framework. And then another one was now going to be an ebook and that's going to be something we'll release from on it, mm-hmm. which is rad, but that's not the book. You know, that's going to be a, a different thing. And then finally, I settled on this idea. It was something I started talking about actually pretty recently on some podcasts when I was talking about go for your win. You know, that was something that really summed up. And I, I gave a speech um, uh, at Luca Hosovar's event in, uh, in Orlando and gave a speech. And that was kind of the theme of the speech. And, and what that was, it just for me summed up everything that I'm about. It's about not allowing society or your fears or anything else to dictate what is your ideal situation and setting that up as your goal, as your win, like that's your win, and then just going for it. And the fact that you're going for it means that you're winning. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all, that's all it really takes. As long as you're going for your ideal situation and you're utilizing the skills to the best of your ability, which I talk about in the book as well, all the different mindsets and tricks and all the things that i've learned along the way but as long as you're going for your win you're fucking winning you've already won agreed yeah it's that's a there's a very like you know universal truth there and i try and i try and use that philosophy on everything that we do you know so whenever we're coming up with an idea for a campaign or coming up with really just brainstorming shit i always like to start with this insane idea um this like insane like undoable thing that we've never done before because you know it's like that was it robert frost quote like shoot for the moon if you miss yeah, you, you land, land in the stars. stars right so it's like let's start with this thing mm-hmm. and then because the intention is awesome we're already on the right track and then if we don't reach the moon like look at all this other sh- cool shit that we did along right. the way it's going to turn into something amazing right and and the idea of actually reaching the moon is is kind of a myth anyway. What happens if you do reach the moon? Right. Like, what are you going to do then? <laughs> when the dog, you set like, this whole thing yeah, like yeah. up about reaching the moon, and then you're on the moon, and you're like, fuck, my whole life has been about reaching this moon. Right. Now, now what the fuck do I do? <laughs> you know, and athletes have that all the time. Like, my mother was yeah. a professional tennis player. She talked about it. She knew tons of people who won the Grand Slam, mm-hmm. and they would win their first Grand Slam, and that would been their, that's been their goal. They've been fucking hitting tennis balls four hours mm-hmm. a day. <laughs> For... 20 years and then they win the grand slam and that was their goal in life and they get wicked depressed afterwards because they're totally. like i mean obviously super stoked for a little while and then wicked depressed now like, what i've set my whole life up to winning this and and you know really i in in the book what i talk about is yeah do that 
Fun. win the Grand Slam, but know that your win has to go deeper than that. Yeah. Like your win is the process. And along the way, you may win Wimbledon and you may win the French Open. Awesome. But set that win at something, you know, some guide star that is almost to the point of unattainable. Sure. And so you that you appreciate this ride and you never arrive there and be like, ah, what happens? Right. Or or shoot for the moon, right? And then if you actually are on your, or about to make it, look look to Mars. <laughs> yeah, you know? totally. Like exactly. make the next planet the next destination. Yeah. And that was one of the little headers. I said, your win will change. Yeah. You know, my win has changed consistently throughout my life. I didn't even know I, about what on it could be until right. I'd make it a couple leaps on the lily Who pad. did? I mean, even, yeah, when, right. even when we started talking about me coming to work, yep. you know, what on it was at that time and what on it is now. No one could have predicted that. No, no doubt. So, so, and you know, even when you're a kid, your win, like for a while, my win was to make the varsity basketball team. Okay. Well then from there was to be all central Texas from there. It was to whatever. I had like all of these basketball things. And then at a certain point I was like, oh, basketball's out. Right. And that, that entered, that entered me into kind of like a weirder period where I was in college and I didn't really know what my win was like getting good grades in college even though I was going to good school or whatever, that wasn't very challenging. Mm-hmm. So there's this kind of nebulous period where I was pretty frustrated because I hadn't, I didn't know what my win was at that point. And I think really tracking that is another key aspect of like, what is, what would be the happiest situation for you? Mm-hmm. Short term, long term, you know, all, all along the way. And, and it'll change. It really, you know, it's, it's an exercise and a practice that I think everyone should do. Make mm-hmm. time to do that. Set your goals. Set what your you know loftiest goal is, and then start working backwards from there. Because at least at that point, you've got you know a roadmap. You've got when you wake up every day, you've got that one thing that you're kind of thinking about, even if it's just subconsciously. You, you put it on paper, and you never really like focus on it. At least you have that thing, you know. Because if you like you're saying, if you don't have whatever that win is that you're going for, then you're kind of just floating yeah and it's and it's really frustrating and you're starting to like you get weird thoughts resentful feelings towards other people towards things like you know misguided direction really sure you know and other times you just use somebody else's win as your win maybe your oh, parents that's probably the worst maybe your parents you wanted you to yeah. be a lawyer or a doctor and so all of this pressure both subconscious the desire to please them and all of these other things and you just say, okay, maybe, okay, yeah, sure. That's my win. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's, you know, pressure in a relationship to get in, get in a certain type of marriage and have kids by this certain age or whatever this, these other pressures that really aren't you, Mm -hmm. but you just get caught in the momentum of the world's, the world's win. Their win is not your win. I mean, maybe you're lucky and it'll coincide, you know, but that's like rolling two 10 sided dice and having them both come up threes, you know, like maybe, but most likely, your win is going to be something completely unique that you have to track and almost, you know, aggressively dismantle the wins of all the, all the other pressure from society and parents and relationships just so you can really track what your unique thing is. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's really the tricky part is, um, you know, you're saying like in, in your college years when you're getting into this weird kind of nebulous, I don't know what to do with myself thing. Mm -hmm. I think that that's really the toughest part for most people. And where you come out from that is really what's going to dictate, you know, how your next 20, 15 years, whatever it is, is going to, is going to play out. And if, if you can actually be 
like aware enough of yourself, of your, of your motivations, of your goals, and like be able to strip away what other people are expecting of you and really just be super honest with yourself, then I think you can start to identify what it is that's really important to you and what those sure. wins could possibly be. And then also not, you know, taking the pressure off that your ultimate win may not be available to you at that time. Totally. You know, and that's, I, I suffered unnecessarily in college just because mm. I put this pressure on me. I was like, Alexander the Great gra- conquered the world at 25. I'm going to graduate at 24. What the fuck have I done? Right. You know, I had these pressures. Whereas if I would have just said, okay, my win is to enjoy the shit out of college right now. I would have been so much happier and more relaxed and just because that's ended up what my win was. I mean, I tried different things. I did some stage acting, which was fun. I did some writing, which was pretty good and some other stuff, which was cool. But really, I had so much immense pressure that I didn't really know what the pressure was for. Mm -hmm. You know, so if I would have done some of the practices like I talk about in the book, which is something I developed, one of the key ones, which I'll mention here is to write a journal entry and pick a date in the future. I just did this like three nights ago. and It was awesome. So I picked, for me, I picked December uh, 31st of this coming year. So right before the start of the new year. And you start, so you write the date on top of the page. And then you start the entry with, my life is as good as it could possibly be. And then just write a recap of your life. Talk about what you did that day. Talk about the good stuff that's going on. So everything that's going on. And like you're writing a journal from that moment. And the start of your journal naturally came out. My life is as good as it could possibly be. That's awesome. Yeah. How detailed did you get? Pretty detailed. Like smells, <laughs> <Yeah>. sights. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, like yeah. A Game of Thrones detail. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you talk about like, you just make up things. Some of it is, you know, kind of specific. Like you'll make up encounters with, I just had the best, you know, the best dinner party with all my closest friends who came in town for the holidays. It was awesome. On it is doing this. And you talk about some specific goals. Got down to specifics of like, the academy has 185 members. I'm stoked. The back areas, blah, blah, blah. like you get into specifics, but you talk about it like it's already done, mm-hmm. you know, and and like you're writing that journal entry of what it is. And so it's just a way to kind of frame these goals in a way that also helps you visualize, but also makes it makes it feel really real. And if I had done that in college, you know, and really tracked that, I think I could have alleviated a lot of pressure and it would have been a real good guide. Yeah, man, for sure. That's like uh, similar to like the secret, right? When they were getting really popular attention, it was because, you know, if you think it, you can make it happen. And then, of course, you get, you know, the negative side of that, where it's like, you have to fucking work for it. You know? <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, it's not like a magic thing where you just write it down and it happens. But there is, I do believe, there is something very, very real and valuable that goes along with just going through the motions and, and trying on the, the life that you want to live, you know, even in, mm-hmm. in your head putting it on like it's clothing, you know, yeah. walking around, feeling what it feels like, smelling the smells and all that. Then you start to magically, whatever it is, all of these little mic- all these little micro decisions, yeah. you know, even without any kind of universal conspiracy to help you mm-hmm. out, you know, which certainly sometimes it feels like when you're on the sure, right path. Yeah. But even without that, it's all of these little micro decisions that once you've, once you believe and you're, you've emotionally bought into this future reality that you mm-hmm. can have, you start to make these micro decisions that end up guiding you in that in that direction. Yeah. You know, opportunities start to open up because you see them. You know, whereas you wouldn't have seen them before. It's like you ever, you know, you ever like hear maybe your friend gets some disease or some shit. Mm-hmm. You've never heard of that disease. 
And then all of a sudden you fucking see that disease everywhere. Right. It's like like when my brothers got diabetes, I was my stepbrothers, I'd never heard of diabetes. I mean, I probably should have, but I hadn't. And then all of a sudden it was like diabetes, diabetes, diabetes. As soon as you know what your win is, you'll start to recognize patterns. You'll start to see these things and start to make these micro decisions. You know, you'll meet somebody in that field related and you'll realize, oh shit, that kind of relates to my win in this way. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll go, you know, talk to him a little more, check out that book or do these other things. And so it starts, you start to guide your own path. There's nothing nothing woo-woo about it. It's just about you seeing what that target is and allowing your full brain's capacity and intense capacity to kind of guide that ship closer to that direction. I think I think the part that people might think is woo woo is the part that they that you don't understand. It's because the subconscious part that starts taking hold. So you don't necessarily like you write down your your goals, whatever. You don't necessarily wake up and and reaffirm it to yourself and read it to yourself in the mirror every day. You don't even have to look at it again for the next six months. But if you go back <clears throat> and you start seeing if you if you have some successes and you start looking back. Um, and maybe even pinpoint the date that you started thinking a certain way. You go back and it's like, well, wait a minute, X, Y, Z, like all of these things actually lined up with that. Mm-hmm. Whether or not I was making the conscious decision to tie it back to that original goal, it just started kind of happening mm-hmm. because I put myself in that mind frame that I wanted to go down this path. Yep. You know, and it, I don't know, for me at least, it's always like you go back and go, oh, yeah, I kind of did set that goal and I made it similar to this path by making this decision that decision that decision which i wasn't maybe even making them at the time with that in mind you know consciously it was just happening yeah i had a real interesting vision on one of my plant medicine journeys about the conscious mind versus the unconscious mind and i realized that the conscious mind was like the control ship like the control helm of this giant like giant sea monster and the sea monster was walking almost entirely under the surface, right? And I'm in the control room and I'm the conscious mind. And I'm like pointing forward. And I'm saying, go this way. But the sea monster is just kind of listening to me in general. <laughs> and if the sea monster turns, I'll be like, yeah, okay, go that way. Right. You know, and it's really like, who's really in control? Is it the conscious mind or mm-hmm. the subconscious mind? I mean, we're just a part of this massive body of emotions and fears and desires and mm-hmm. And I think a lot of this book is about getting fully in control of all of those subconscious and unconscious forces, finding out what your demons are, attacking your fears, releasing attachments that are pushing and pulling you. So that instead of just being this kind of false captain of this giant machine that you're like, yes, this way. And the machine's like, whatever, dude, you know, and just going where it's going anyways, you can start to really like vertically align with the whole organism sure and then move as one and really decide where you're going to go and that's what you know a good portion of the of the book ended up being about yeah the the version that you sent me um i was really really impressed with you know i was thinking kind of going into it like all right well aubrey's got a very unique path and a very unique journey that he's been on and how is he going to relate that to where someone can read it and you know put themselves in that situation you did a great job at it because it's it's a very like non-specific uh path so it's not like it's not like here's what i did meet this person you know go go to this school go study this thing read this book it's like look here's the guidelines the parameters that i tried to follow 
and basically, you know, being prepared for these opportunities and recognizing opportunities and going for the win. <laughs> going for my win. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really what it ended up, you know, the direction it ended up taking. Mm -hmm. So as far as the process, just so people know what's going to, you know, how it how it actually happened. I came up with the idea maybe a couple months ago for Go For Your Win. And um, I started immediately kind of getting, wrapping my head around it. And a real model for that was Stephen Pressfield's War of Art and sure. Turning Pro. So each page is going to have its own little section that you can read that all kind of follows. Uh, and that was my idea. So it's not a terribly long book as far as the amount of words. It'll be many pages because each section will be on a page. But very much like direct to the reader. You know, I'm saying you know, talking to them in, in a largely a general way, illustrating through some stories and things like that. And then uh, I just actually started writing down like just the headers, even before I left. Like if I would come up with a header idea, you know, in a little section, I'd just blot that down. So I showed up to British Columbia and I had maybe four pages of maybe about 20 of those different little headers, just different little pieces that I'd kind of conjectured. And then um, from there... It was just a matter of adding everything that I could think of. If I thought of something, I would just add it, mm -hmm. you know. And and that process was actually really exciting, like a like a scratch pad, like a scratch everything. pad, yeah. like anything I came up. I, even if I didn't have time to write about it, I would just write like the header of what I was mm -hmm. talking about, and then like one, two, one or two words about so which direction so I was going. If you read it again, you'd know where you were. I was going. know where yeah, I was yeah, going, yeah. right? So the first few days was this like rush of excitement of just doing that, you know, and kind of aligning all of that. And then eventually I ran out of those type of ideas. And of course, steadily, I would think, you know, every time I would go to eat, I would eat by myself in this little dining room area and I'd bring my moleskin notebook and it was just me looking out at the water while I'd eat. So I'd think of something and I'd jot it down. So there's still some creation going on. But the real grind part of it was when I had all of the headers out and then i was like now i gotta fucking write all, all of yeah these that's things. where you want to just hire someone and be like Can you <laughs> right. fill in this right stuff? right exactly <laughs> and there was like no there was no outsourcing that part and that was that was what really started to test my yeah. will and intentions was is writing is i don't write as my primary job mm -hmm. so i usually write when i feel like writing but this was that was my primary job when I was there. So That's I had to, some press field shit. So I had to write when I didn't feel like writing. I had right. to write when like writing was revolting to me, and all I wanted to do was not write, you know. And so even though it wasn't this extended period of time, I had to push through those moments where I was like, I just do not want to do this. But here's this task, and it was really just all right. Just get to this one. Mm -hmm. Okay, you did that one. Now just get to this. Just do it. Just do it. You know, just stop thinking and just do it. Because your mind will come up with all kinds of reasons. Ah, well, maybe, you know, maybe your caffeine isn't quite right. Maybe your lunch was a little too heavy. You know, if, if you got a, like a little bit of a workout or just a stretch, maybe you'll be more in the flow. That's press field, right? That's right. what he said. Totally. That's your resistance. Like, that's and that's resistance. the difference between the pro. Yeah. Because you just go and you do it. You just do it. Yeah. And it's like a sacrifice of your, of your thoughts. Like, okay, thoughts. Like, I hear what you're saying. They make a lot of sense. You know why? Because they're my fucking thoughts. That's why they make so much sense. They're my thoughts. I own that. But I'm not going to agree. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to put my fingers there and I'm going to use this computer and I'm going to task this computer with the job of creating that those words. And that was like a weird, cool turning point for me mm -hmm. in this real just hammering in this ability to mentally overdrive 
a situation. And then that probably catches momentum. And then you, totally. Yeah, totally. Cause I had that, but it's always like, it was always like a necessity based mm-hmm. thing. Like this needs to get done. There's people counting on this or it was inspiration based. It's not that often that there's no deadline. Cause this book had no deadline. I had expectations for myself, but but I just was like, I, I'm fucking here. This is a great opportunity. And it was full on arm wrestling with my with my own thoughts. Sure, and yeah. it just okay, we're moving down, you know, until I until I pin that wily rascally junior hat around back. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So then okay, so finally finished uh, you know, finished this really crude, crude draft mm-hmm. and then, you know, took a moment to like breathe. And then I was like, Yeah, you know, I've heard a lot of authors they talk about like waiting you know, letting the book breathe, you know, giving it a few weeks. So maybe I should just fuck off and just focus on fishing and do that. And again, it was like, no, nah, I can't do that. Like, right. Again, it was you that. Know, me- you know where you're going to end up. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So again, it was that mental override of like, all right, now I got to read this whole book again and again and again and just like combing through, mm-hmm. fixing things, moving things. And, uh, and now, so, you know, eventually got it to the point where I could send it out to a few key readers like yourself and a few people in the, in the close fam. And of course, um, working with Ryan Holiday on this, who was on the podcast, amazing book marketer, has a great editor, worked on Tony Robbins' book and a bunch of other books. So got it out to them. And I was talking to him about it. And I go, all right, so now, you know, we'll just keep combing over it and, uh, you know, straightening out the loose hairs, put the pomade on it. And he's like, yeah, pomade, loose hairs. It's going to feel more like a skin graft. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, let's just let, let's just lay that out. So he want he wanted to do some major cutting. It's it's just the process, yeah. you know. It's just the process of the revision from a first draft, especially for a first author yeah. like myself. Yeah, he's like, I, and that was even that was even actually before he read it. He's like, just to let you know, you know, pomade combing the See, hairs. It's good that you have that that outside guidance though, because it's almost like it's almost like saying like, oh, motherfucker, you are a first time writer. Don't think that this is just going to be you write, you spend a weekend and you write something and it's good to go. Yeah. Like there's a process here. Like respect the process and everyone who's ever written anything before you is going to hurt. And here's the process. Totally. Totally. So now we're in, now we're entering in the skin graft mode where Mm -hmm. he's given me the meta notes and he's actually been, it's been cool (laughs) because I don't know. I still don't know whether this is a compliment or not, but he was like, the first thing he said is, well, it's better than I thought. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> well, that's good, Ryan. I mean, either that means you had really yeah. low expectations yeah, yeah, yeah. or it's good. You're um, better looking than you are on TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so he provided some of the meta notes. But now I'm staring back at this thing mm-hmm. and realizing like this thing that I feel like I birthed and it's like, ah, you know, crossed it off the list is now like fully back on the list with a super high priority, except I don't have this you're not in vancouver anymore idyllic <laughs> environment where there's there's humpback whales going yeah. by there was literally one point where i'm writing and i hear this sound it's like <sighs> i was like what the fuck is that is the air conditioning <sighs> and i had the windows open and i look out and it's this humpback whale just like cruising right out in front of my window i was like oh it's a humpback whale so i like took a moment got my binoculars and then went back to it i mean this is like idyllic environment Sounds all of the like food it. i they, they were preparing all the food it was all like fresh forage salads, like stuff they're pulling out of the forest. We had scallops from this island, Quadra Island, which was, I could have hit it with an arrow if I had a bow. You know, they're pulling salmon out of the water and you the salmon's give fresh. A shout out. Yeah, I, put, I gave him a shout out on Instagram, uh, oh, Sonora sorry. Resort. And I posted a picture of all the staff, but Sonora Resort, it's, it's amazing. amazing. 
it was it was pretty incredible. But yeah, so but now I have to do this full on skin graft rewrite, and I, I really like the notes what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just going to make it make it better. I think there's the problem is is you always end up with assumptions about what the reader knows about you. Sure, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. because even like on this podcast, I do that all the time. Like I'm talking to people who I expect kind of know me. You know, so I say something like, yeah, I did this plant medicine journey. Right. And, they're and like, I was what? like, what? What are you yeah. talking Plant medicine? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Aloe vera? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. What, like, and, and there is some people listening now that are probably new listeners. They're like, what the fuck is he talking about? I'm following him because he started a fitness company. Right, right. You know, but you make these assumptions. And the book is full of these kind of base level, this base level understanding of who I think I'm talking to. And Ryan's like, no, 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 no. Like this is ultimately going to end up in a lot of people's hands who have never heard of you. So where do you start then, though? I mean, do you start like with gravity exists? Yeah, right. right. So like you, have you have to, to build like, a, a universe before you can start talking. That's the interesting line. Like, what's the what's the kind of the ante? Like, yeah. what's the intellectual ante to even get into it? Um, and I think that's something that he's going to help help kind of work with. But uh, but that's a large part of it. And then shortening the because i kind of have stories from a variety of different people you mm-hmm. know i have some Bodie miller pete carroll i talk about different people myself and he's saying to just bring these characters more consistently through so it's not just like a smattering of a little anecdote here an anecdote here okay so like a through line between so a everyone. through line between introducing characters and then keeping those characters more you know as a part of the uh, as a part of the example so cut out a few of the just one-offs and then focus them in on some more of the, unless it's just really a, a gem. Right. You know? Nice. Yeah. So, so some cool stuff that's going to, going to happen. There'll be a few more stories about my journey. Cause I'll build that character and I'll, you know, tie in a few more with Bodie and I'll tie in a few more with some key, key people who have been really influential with me. Um, and then the process as far as publishing. So what we talked about traditional publisher, we'd have to go out and shop this book and immediately, he actually says it's almost a disadvantage to have a published book when you're going to a publisher because then then they realize that you have expectations about it and they can't totally mm-hmm. shape it the way they want. Like if you want to get a book published by a traditional publisher, you should write a proposal, take it to them with a proposal, get the advance and get the do that get the thing. advance and then they shape it the whole way. They don't really sure. like it when you come to them with a completed book because then they're like, "Oh, I don't know what I want to do with this." Yeah, I'm sure they all have their own narrative and their own like, sure. yeah agenda yeah so and then also all right so let's say even even with that then they'd pair us with an editor and they'd start to really mess with it and Mm -hmm. he doesn't have the greatest degree of confidence that sometimes they're great you know sometimes they're like awesome like that guy sean coin stephen pressfield's editor Mm -hmm. you know one of those rare individuals that's just a badass that you run into that's going to really make your book better but sometimes it's not sometimes someone who doesn't get it Wants your book to be something else. And that would be the key. They'd have to understand what it is you're trying to do and not just be a job. Right. Exactly. And they'd have to just buy into that. And you're dealing with a human. You know, it's like a human. There's the human factor, you know. So maybe you get the right editor. Maybe you don't. And that happens always after the kind of agreements already Mm -hmm. in place. You know, so you don't really know how this whole thing's going to work out. So we went over that. Plus, it would be at least a year. Um, even after we finish the draft, like at least a year in advance to get that thing out. So what we're going to do is I'm going to self-publish it and just get it out there. And that'll allow us to create what we believe is the absolute best book possible, get it out to the audience. 
And then if a publisher wants to pick it up, because we'll never be able to distribute it to airport bookstores or anything like that without a publisher. But if in that form, a um, publisher can still acquire the book even after it's been produced. Like a lot of these classic books keep getting flopped back and forth sure. between uh, editors, I mean, uh, publishing houses that buy them and do stuff. So um, get it out in the best form possible. And so we just kind of locked in, prove the concept, prove that people dig it and enjoy the book. And then from there, um, hopefully attract maybe some of the publishers who might be interested and uh, to go buy the book. And then you'll see it in your local airport or wherever actual books are sold. Where are actual <laughs> books sold now? On the internet. Nowadays, on the interwebs, <laughs> yeah. So we can we got that covered. But, but you know, in those other places where people are buying papers. It's, it's literally the only place I see books anymore is the airport. Yeah. I guess there are. Are there books? Is there Barnes & Noble still around? One of them went under, right? Borders. Borders is done. And there's fewer Barnes and Nobles. <clears throat> yeah. The Barnes and Nobles near my house just turned into a Gold's Gym. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's a uh, it's a lot of overhead no for kidding. for mostly digital books. But you know what's rad about digital books? Okay, I'll tell you another part of this. So, I I read most of my books in the last five years on either iPad or Kindle. Mm -hmm. um, and the cool part is, is that all the highlights are there in the in the book. Yeah. So I was able to get. Uh, some help from my assistant to take all of those highlights and put them in a Google Doc. Nice. So I was able, that's why I was able to reference all those quotes and like all of that was ready. But Kindle makes that even easier because they have this like scraps or notes section right at the end that actually compiles all of your notes from all of your books. Puts it all together. Puts yeah. it all together. And then you can re highlight those to get your like super picks. And mm -hmm. then it's like the scraps of the scraps that ends up at the end. Mm -hmm. So I have this like highly, highly curated. That's you know, awesome. Kindle notes thing. I tried to figure and out a way to do that on my own. Like you said, you had your assistant do it, but I've tried to like copy and paste and then like tweet myself from an account that doesn't exist. So oh, yeah. You know so, I mean? you so you can, can copy the text. Exactly. Yeah. 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 There's, I haven't figured out a way to do it other than just Someone peck it out. Typing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> peck it out. But the key is just not to do too many extraneous yeah. highlights because you can get. You know, really. All of a sudden, you get another book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got no, like, totally. you got like sixty yeah. percent of the book. Yeah. You know, I look at some people highlighting stuff, and like, what are you doing to yourself? So, you're, okay, you're so killing that's, yourself. That's interesting. So, what about what about the parts where you can see four thousand people highlighted this part? I know it's so does, much pressure. Doesn't right? that? <laughs> like, fuck. What do what? What am I not getting? <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. It's so. That's much not pressure. that important to me. I want to highlight this part. <laughs> I've definitely succumbed to the pressure <laughs> before. I've definitely. So, what we're talking about is like on Kindle. You'll see a section, there's a little dashed line on it, and it'll say like 2,000 other people highlighted this section. And I'm definitely just like, well, it's not my favorite line, but yeah, it's, it's got to be good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be good. But then you actually, when you highlight something that you know is a gem and it mm -hmm. doesn't have one of those, you're oh, like, oh man, that's all me. You're like, people are sleeping on yeah. this one. <laughs> people are sleeping on this shit. Cool. I'm not even going to tell anyone about this one. <laughs> no worries, world. It's like, I got your back. I'm going to be the smartest dude in the room when I yeah. quote this part. It's a, Interesting, interesting process because I've talked to Ryan. We talked about it on the podcast. He has like, he learned from Robert Greene this intricate kind of note card system where he has all of his things offline in these note cards. So if like his house caught fire, it would be a massive disaster, you know, but that's his method. And actually, that would have been super helpful to have my sections on note because that was the one thing I missed was like a printer because mm -hmm. I'm trying to organize which section goes in front of the other. And it would have been sweet to have them all on note cards. Like actual, like tactile. Actual yeah. tactile, yeah. like a board or something that I could just organize that you, way. I'll show you this thing. I had Josh coded up a couple of weeks ago, just similar 
thing, but basically a digital board with post-it notes of all the different things that we're working on and I can move them around and reshape them. It's nice. Really cool. Nice. Yeah. Technology in that way is going to prove incredibly useful. And of course, everything's loaded up on the cloud, you know, mm -hmm. and so it's just accessible from anywhere. You don't have to worry. Oh, shit. I have that, you know, word doc mm -hmm. on this computer and I can't work on it because of this. You right. Know? And then Google Docs, you can work offline now too. And the, the, conveniences that technology affords with all these things the tools for writing and reading and research and all those things are innumerable but the one thing that's kind of a bummer and it just sounds weird but you know when you read a book there's almost like there's almost a mentality of it's a trophy when it's done mm -hmm. right and so you want to put it on that shelf yep and then you're like these are my these are my trophies look yep. at all of the knowledge that i've acquired right. right and then when people come into your study and they go oh look at all these wonderful books you've read yes i've read all of these books <laughs> i've acquired all of the knowledge on this shelf <laughs> totally and then what are you gonna do fucking put 18 kindles up on the wall <laughs> right you know like take my word for it this kindle is full of a bunch of books i've read uh, yeah Ten thousand books, no doubt. Like, how, how are you going to let people know how smart? You I are? think you buy you you, <laughs> you buy the book. You just buy and you, you just buy. ruffle it up. You just you just kind of muss the price You just kind of muss it up real quick. You know, you put it in a sack and you shake the shit out of it, so Got it looks it. like you read it. Right, and then you just put it up there, and you actually did read it. Mm -hmm. So it's only just you know, it's like a decoration. Mm -hmm. But I, so I think you double buy books. That's, double buy. I think you double buy because then also. You know, you're going to want to loan that book to somebody if it was any good. Yeah. You know, and be like, oh, man, I read this great book. You should totally check it out. Mm -hmm. And it's never a loan. It's a gift. I always buy the book for someone. Yeah. Because it's like it's like pirating. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. like like usually writers that aren't you know making millions and millions of dollars. Like, oh, here's the book. Like I gave my book to or I gave your book to my my brother. It's like, well, thanks, asshole. Why didn't you <laughs> yeah, tell him yeah. to buy it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that's that's the way to do it. Yeah. That's what I did with like I have maybe 10, 15 books that I'm constantly recommending and I bought. Mm -hmm five copies of each i keep them here in the office mm -hmm. and that way when it comes up in conversation it's like oh yeah here right you know read this book and plus how many times do you recommend a book to someone that they actually go buy yeah. like sometimes you you want someone to read a book so much that you're like here i'm going to put it in your fucking hands That's you right. have to read this book right i did that to novak for um uh war of art nice like i was on my honeymoon reading it and i pulled out like i had one bar of reception in uh, uh, and how was my honeymoon? <laughs> Fiji. That's, that's a good, that's a good sign, actually. You don't even know where you were. Oh, just a beach somewhere. Yeah. Oh, just, Fiji. Just and I had like your, just in your wife. <laughs> that's, where, that's where you were. Touche. So I was reading. I was reading War of Art, and I was like, "Man, this book is Novak's got to read this." Novak's the guy who makes all our music, by the way. And I just like did the one click order gift for a friend sent it to him and he like called me because it got there like the next day or emailed me and he's like yeah. dude this book's changing my life i was like i know i just read it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's one of the ones i got right in the shelf there for sure awesome and that's been a huge inspiration not only in content but in format for mm -hmm. me to kind of write this book because i know how much impact that book's had on me the people i've recommended it and so that was a real kind of guiding star and of course i got to meet stephen pressfield and he's dope a, he's a bad motherfucker you know he's an awesome dude unique character well shit man thanks for coming on here and rapping and uh yeah thanks for having me man that was good absolutely so well, what do you want to plug here man i mean what's on it.com <laughs> you can find me on on it.com <laughs> beautiful 
Thank you, my brother. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, check me out on you know all the social, all the socials now at Aubrey Marcus. So it's easy enough to uh, keep track of me and a variety of things. Keep a lookout for a new blog layout. Uh, we'll be working on that over the next couple of weeks. And all's good in the hood. Back in the saddle. Dope, man. Cool, man. Stoked to have you back. Thanks, brother. See you, everybody. Peace.